going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Creating Madness. I'm here with my co-host, Ethan. Ethan, what's happening? Not much, John. How are you? It's a great Wednesday afternoon for me. I'm doing great, too. Just got out of some school. Recording this wonderful episode. We're going to be talking about the American Athletic and the West Coast Conference in this episode. But before we get into those two conferences, we got a pair of dudes and talk about the guys upstairs, Unwrapped. Uh, Unwrapped has some great shows and some socials, but more importantly, they have a Patreon. And you can be in one of three tiers. Ethan, tell us about the tiers. All right, well, starting off, you obviously have the $1 tier, which shows us you love us, whatever. $5 tier, you actually get access to some stuff, such as discounts and the Discord with sports fans around the entire world. And $10, you get all that, plus entrance into a signed jersey giveaway or signed memorabilia giveaway. It's been a lot of fun. Ricky Williams signed helmet, David Montgomery jersey, all that. Yep. Um, and as I quickly discussed before, they also have some socials that you should get, which you should check out. But we also have some socials. Ethan, tell everyone about our Twitter and IG. All right. So for our IG, it's at underscore creating madness because, you know, we're having fun on this. We have a college basketball group chat, which is a lot of fun. We're a nonstop college basketball talk, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the year. And we also have our Twitter at ATR Madness where we're tweeting out news and our new episodes and all that. We try and put out a couple opinion pieces, respond to them. It's a lot of fun. And how even on our IG and Twitter, we've gotten some quotes from Coach Juwan Howard and even Harvard's coach, Coach, I believe, Akamir. Tony Amaker. Tony Amaker, thank you. So, yeah, we got some quotes from them from our, me emailing them. Go check those out from earlier in the year. It's been a lot of fun. Yep. Again, I want to reemphasize this. Make sure you DM us to be in our Instagram group chat. Uh, spots are going to be filling up as we get closer to the season, so make sure you get yours as soon as possible. But now we've paid our dues. Let's get right into the show. Ethan, what do you want to talk about, actually? We're talking about the American or the West Coast first? Because either one sounds pretty good to me. You know what? Let's talk about the West Coast because I know how much you love Gonzaga. Almost as much I, as... I, I do love Gonzaga's team this year. Not as much as Texas, but they're going to be a really fun team to watch. But let's talk about... Let's talk about the teams at the bottom first, first before we get to the best. Ethan, tell us about the Portland Pilots. All right, you have Clythus Griffin Jr. returning. Their only player of mention, who I believe averaged 4.7 points. Yeah, no, no. They had Fordham's Chris Austin, who averaged 11.4 last year. So you bring in a good player and you return a, I don't even want to say a meh player because, you know, 4.7 points isn't meh. It's... You're lucky to be in the game, almost. So, uh, this team, I, I'm not going to insult them too much, but I'm surprised that they're D1. Yep. Um, just a free win for Gonzaga. Uh, next up, we have the Pacific Tigers, another team in the why are they D1 boat. They are keeping Jeremiah Bailey and Pierre Cockrell, who are two of their better scorers, but they're losing to their two best scorers in Danish Jenkins and Brock Finstuten. Um, They also had no notable transfers to fill in the scoring gap that Jenkins and Finstuten left. We'll probably be another bottom-tier team again, so not have mentioned. Ethan, tell us about San Diego. All right, so you have them maintaining their top two scorers in Calcaterra and Parrish, along with keeping their man in the middle in Pinchuk. Although they are losing Masalaski, who was a very solid scorer and defender for them, but they do are getting a transfer in Bryce Monroe from Sam Houston State. 5'11 point guard to average 10 points and nearly three assists in 21 minutes a game. Yep. Solid team at the top, but they're not a deep team. Yep. 
Uh, moving on to Santa Clara, home of Steve Nash. Uh, based on our projections, they won't be doing anything remotely close to as well as he did, but they are retaining the top three players, which is a, basically a miracle in the current state of the transfer portal. They're keeping Joseph Frankich, Jalen Williams, and Keyshawn Justice, who are all 6'6 or taller, by the way. Um, Santa Clara has a very tall, lanky lineup and good surprise some folks this year. Uh, they also have some good guard depth coming in. They're young guards, so... I can see this team moving higher than seven, personally, maybe to overtaking Pepperdine or San Francisco, but we'll see. Ethan, tell us about Pepperdine. All right, so for Pepperdine, Ross and Edwards are gone. So that means Zedek, Smith, Altman, and Chukua have to fill in their roles more than they already did because you're losing double-digit point scores, and that's hard to fill. Ross and Edwards are going to both ball out in the NBA, NBA G League, one of the pro leagues, and hopefully one of these four guys can take their – uh, and move up into that those leagues after this year. All right. Well, now we've gotten out of the depressing dwelling that is the bottom of this conference. We can move into the better part of the conference, which is the top half. Uh, for the top half of the conference starter, we have the San Francisco Dons. Uh, they are returning Jamari Buya, uh, but unfortunately, he's the only returning senior on this roster. He led the Dons last year. Sorry, led the Dons last year with seventeen point three points, three and a half assists, and shot thirty seven percent from three. Booyah is just one of many shooters on this team, by the way. Uh, USF ranked sixth in the nation last year with 10.4 three-pointers made per game, which is absolutely nuts. Uh, Khalil Shabazz and Dismetri Uyunya, uh were the most prolific outside shooters on the team last season. Uyunya also led the squad with five and a half rebounds per game. Josh Kunin is another solid rebounder, and like everybody on the team, he is a threat to hit the long ball. Julian Rishwain transferred in from Boston College and had a solid debut season with the Dons last year, averaging eight points per game. Uh, speaking of transfers, Coach Todd Golden found a lot of immediate help in the front court. Yuhen Maslaki spent four seasons in San Diego, which we just talked about, culminating an average of about 10 points per game, eight rebounds, and 2.2 blocks in 10 games last season. Zane Meeks also averaged nine points and five and a half rebounds with Nevada in the 2020-21 season, and Patrick Tepes on limited action with Duke last year, following a productive three years in Columbia. Speaking of Columbia... Gabe Stefani also spent two years at Columbia, where he averaged 14 points, five rebounds, and four assists in the 2018-2019 season uh, in his last season playing with the Lions. Unfortunately, they didn't play last year because of the Ivy League's COVID rules. Lovely. Um, but this is suddenly a San Francisco team with a lot of depth. It is not the most experienced group, but they should remain competitive in the WCC, and again, could surprise some people this year. All right. Moving into our number four team, St. Mary's. A team keeps all their production from last year. You have Logan Johnson, 13.3 points a game coming back. You have Tommy Coos, 12.8 points a game. Matthew Tass, 10.9 points a game. And Dan Fatu, 8.4 points a game. Those four alone. Those four are going to be able to ball out. You have four seniors last year, maybe second to last year. I'm not sure about the super seniors. We haven't. I wasn't really able to dive too deep into St. Mary's. But you have four seniors last year or two on their play because of the BS, you know, COVID stuff. So St. Mary's is set. You have talented backcourt. You have a talented frontcourt. It's just all a matter of can they get that one key win over BYU or hell even Gonzaga, which I think we're going to talk about later. Yep. Um, it's going to be a really exciting team to watch. St. Mary's usually has a lot of really fun guards and a really fast play style of play. So along with them returning a lot of players, I think they could even move up in the rankings this year, but we'll see. 
Uh, moving on to our number three team, which is my second favorite team in this conference in terms of fun to watch. Uh, we've got the LM. We got LMU, Loyola Marymount. Uh, the Lions will be led by six-six wing Eli Scott for the second year in a row. Uh, Scott led the Lions last year in points, rebounds, and assists, and he finished the season with eighteen points, eight rebounds, and three and a half assists. Wow. Also, quick fun, quick fun fact about Eli Scott. He was on the starting five with the Chino Hills team with Lonzo, Leangelo, Lamelo, and Anika Okungwu, aka the greatest high school team of all time. Don't at me. Uh, Domain Douglas is another big wing who's very efficient at scoring in the paint, like Scott. Uh, he's also a great rebounder and he's and versatile player. Joe Quintana was by far the most effective and efficient three-point shooter on the team last season, connecting on oh my lord, 43% of his team high 91 attempts. That's ridiculous. Um Van Anderson will most likely run the point again as he dished out three and a half assists per game last season while also adding in seven points. Uh, Kelly Lupepe is a 6'6 forward who'll be asked to play a larger role with the departure of Mateus Merkison. Lepepe was a very productive player last season, averaging 10.5 points and five rounds per game. But now he and 6'8 forward Ivan Alapev will be asked to do more work in the paint. Uh, they will get some help from Alex Merkavilici. Merkavilidos? I don't know. Uh, a sophomore transfer from Cal State Northridge. But the most impactful newcomer should be Cam Shelton. He spent three wonderful seasons at Northern Arizona, where he averaged 19 points, six rebounds, four assists, and one and a half steals last season. Wow. Uh, Quane Marble has been a part-time starter at Wyoming the last two years, and Gary Harris was a part-time starter at Siena as a freshman back in 2019-2020. Uh, this could be a very special season for Loyal Marymount. This program hasn't been a lot since the days of Hank Gathers, but now they have the depth to make a serious NCAA tournament run. All right. Moving into BYU, they lost Brandon Everett and Matt Harms for their two key players leaving, but they returned Alex Barcelo. 16 points a game, 4.3 assists, and nearly five boards, along with shooting nearly 48% from three. That's a very nice point guard to have. And then you also add to John Lucas from Milwaukee, where he averaged 15 points, six assists, and 4.5 rebounds last year. After he spent two years in Illinois, he transferred to Milwaukee. He ended up falling out. Illinois produces a lot of good players once they transfer. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, then you have, you have Trevin Nell, who is going to be their sixth or seventh man, knocked down three-point shooter. Philip Lohan who started 13 games as a freshman and averaged seven points and seven boards. He's going to be their man in the middle. If not, then he'll just be their big power forward. Then you also have Richard Howard, who actually probably will be that five spot, but he'll be able to alternate. And then you have Gideon George. And then you also have LSU transfer Seneca Knight, who will be able to ball out after, you know, he's kind of spent a lot of his time at San Jose State where he averaged 17 points and nearly six boards in 2019. 2020. BYU won't be able to compete for the WCC title unless Gonzaga you know, completely flops like I really hope they do. Why do you hope they flop? I want to ask you this on air. Why, why do they hope they flop? I just hate seeing a team that's always a top seed and flop. It's the same thing with Purdue and Illinois for me. Like, if you're always that top two, three seed, like, early 2000s Illinois, like, I hate that they didn't win that 05 championship. Like, if you're going to make it there, I want you to win it if you're that high of a seed. I know it was against tough teams, but, like, I just want to see Gonzaga win a title or just stop being that high seed. Ethan, you're just a hater, bro. Just a yeah. complete hater. Yeah, I know. 
Uh, whatever. All right. Moving into our number one team, as we just discussed, Gonzaga. Um, I just want to talk about the players and their team this year before we even get into what their projections will be. Um, their key returners, player of the year last year in the country, Drew Timmy, big man who averaged nearly 20 a night. Andrew Nimhart, former five-star guard and stud for Florida two years ago, uh, was the point guard on the national championship team one year ago. Anton Watson, former top 50 recruit, um, just an overall stud. Uh, they also are only, unfortunately losing Jalen Suggs, one of the top players in the league last year and was the number three overall draft pick. Corey Kispert, arguably the best shooter in the country. Joel Ajayi, another great guard to have on the team. And their newcomers, Razier Bolton, the player who led all scoring in the Big 12 last year, led the Big 12 in scoring. Chet Holmgren, the number one player in the country. Hunter Salas, a five-star. And Nolan Hickman, a very highly touted recruit. Um, the amount of talent on this roster is borderline unfair, and Coach Mark Few will be charged with figuring out a rotation that allows his team to play at the highest possible level and maintain the morale of some of the highest-ranking recruits. All seven freshmen and sophomores on the team on the roster, just seven players in total again. Uh, were either four or five star recruits. Um, basically, this team is expected to win every single game in the West Coast Conference. They obviously have a very rigorous out of conference schedule. We don't even need to go into it. You can just take a look at last year. Gonzaga's projection is at least going into the lead eight. You know, obviously, March Madness is crazy, um, but we still expect this team to win at least three games in the tournament. This could be borderline the most talented team we've ever seen in March Madness history. I know Ethan might cringe when I say that, but this is this is true. Um, they have multiple five-stars on this team. They have multiple players that have already proved themselves in college basketball, and I'm just really excited to see what they do in the tournament. Um, but before we move into the American Athletic Conference, we got to talk about our conference awards. All right. Right over here. John, before you go into that, I actually have a question. What's up? Because- We've talked before about Gonzaga. They always lose that one or two games in conference. What team do you think could potentially knock them off in two games? Hmm. That's because a good question. We've talked. It's been San Francisco. It's been BYU. It's been whoever, like, the past five years. Who do you think it could be this year? Which team do you genuinely believe has the best shot just to slip past and win by a couple points? Because Gonzaga stops trying. So, St. Mary's and Gonzaga have had a rivalry for a while. Have had, a, have had a rivalry for a while. Goodness. Um, St. Mary's is returning four of their best players from last year. They're going to have a very filled lineup. They have guys that are actually big this year that can try and somewhat hold Drew Timmy and Chad Holmgren in the paint. Logan Johnson, Tommy Kuz are great guards to have on your team. Tommy Kuz is a floor general who also can get buckets, and Logan Johnson's a great shooter. I feel like if this team puts it all together and they're at home, big rivalry night against Gonzaga – I think this team, just based on pure rivalry alone, could win a game. I'm not saying they are. My projection is that they won't. I think that Gonzaga will actually run through the conference this year. But if there is a team, in my opinion, that's going to win a game against Gonzaga this year in conference, it's St. Mary's. The gals, baby. All right. All right, but thank you for the question. But now we're going to move into the conference awards real quickly. Uh, Prefix... just a little warning. I don't want this to be too Gonzaga heavy, but since they're going to run the conference, we got to make it, you know. So, so player of the year is me, Drew Timmy. I think he's going to repeat. This is arguably the best player in the country. Definitely one of the top big men. And a guy that will give you 
maybe not even 20 a night because of how much talent's on the roster, but a very efficient, high-scoring load with some great defense and some great leadership. Um, defensive player of the year. We're going Eli Scott. Eli Scott's a guy that can get it done at both sides of the floor. As we went over, he's going to be his team's leader on offense, but he's also going to be the team's leader on defense. He is a freaky athletic 6'6 guard that can lock up just about everyone, and I'm talking about even the top guys in Gonzaga. So I'm really excited to see what he does, not only on the offensive end, but particularly on the defensive end. Newcomer of the year, Chet Holmgren, number one player in the country. I'm not even going to go into it. Except the fact that this guy's a seven-foot demigod. He can shoot, he can play, make, and he can block shots. That's all I have to say. Uh, coach of the year, I would love to give it to anyone else but Mark Few, but since Mark Few has put together arguably the best college basketball roster of all time, you know, before the season starts at least, then we're going to give it to him. That's all I have to say. So, uh, now that we've gone over uh, the Gonzaga Conference, let's go into the American Athletic. Uh, this is one of our favorite conferences, particularly for me, due to SMU, because I have some family that went there. Um, but let's get right into it. Starting at the bottom, Ethan, you want to tell us about Eastern Carolina? All right. After an impressive performance from Jaden Gardner, he decided to take his talents not to South Beach, but to Tony Bennett's Virginia, after averaging eight points per game and 8.3 rebounds. But... Besides that devastating loss, they maintain J.J. Miles, who will have to provide key senior leadership after averaging 9.8 points a game last year, along with retaining Brendan Suggs and Athletic Ford, who averaged 9.6 points a game, along with their steal, a steal. Their assist leader comes back in the form of Tristan Newton, who averaged 8.7 points a game and 4.2 assists. And then they also get another key ball handler back in Tremont Robinson-White. So they have two Power 5 transfers coming in, and Alonzo Frank and Vance Jackson, neither scored over four points a game last year. So ECU has potential, but no, they, they should be bottom three. All right. Um, thank you for that wonderful summary on the worst team. Um, next up, we have Tulane. Um, they have a stud return to the program, and Jalen Forbes, who averaged a really nice 16.5 points per game, along with five rebounds and one and a half steals. Uh, Jordan Walker transferred to UAB, so one of their – Two best players in their lethal backcourt duo they had last year is unfortunately gone. Uh, lovely transfer portal. Outside of Forbes, not a lot's happening on offense. No one else averaged over eight points per game. But this team was tremendous on defense, earning themselves a top four spot in total defense in the American. Do their offense most likely not improving that much? We have them still at the 10th spot this year. Ethan, tell us about USF. All right. Only Calibre, 8.3 points a game. Their fifth leading scorer is returning from their top six scorers. But they add Jalen McCurry from South Carolina, who averaged five points a game, and Corey Walker from Tennessee, a former four-star, nearly five. So I'm just hiring those two transfers for some reason. I think John is as well. And if they can just play well, then USF won't be at the bottom. Or last bottom, at least. Yep. All right, moving on to Temple. Uh, the Owls return their top four scorers from a very high-scoring unit last season. Rising junior guard Cleef Battle averaged 15. Uh, six rebounds and two and a half assists per game. Damian Dunn, who averaged 13 and a half points per game, uh, along with 4.2 rebounds. Jarek Foster, who averaged 9.3 points and six rebounds. And Jeremiah Williams, the team's glue guy, who averaged nine points, three and a half rebounds, four assists, and one steal a game. All of these guys are coming back and look to improve on Temple's abysmal offensive season from last year, um, along with improving on the defensive end as they finished in the bottom four team, as a, as a bottom four team in total defense. We could see his team minimally improving, but not being much of a difference in the conference. Ethan, tell us about UCF. 
All right, well, for UCF, they have Darius Perry returning. The super senior wants to make it back to the madness of March after averaging 15 points per game last year, 3.6 rebounds, 3.4 assists, and 1.3 steals. If he stays healthy and all is well, he's a contender for conference player of the year. They also have Brandon Mahan, who's going to return for a senior year after putting up an impressive 12.3 points per game and 5 rebounds per game, along with 1.1 steals a night, while shooting 45% from the field. The Knights have a talented top three or four guys who could average 10 or more, including Isaiah Williams and Darren Green. And they also add Czech Mbake Diong, who averaged nine points and seven and a half boards. All right. Moving into, I would say, a top half of our conference. This is six out of 11, so I'm going to consider the top half of the conference. We've got the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Um, Losing their top scorers in Brandon Rachel and Elijah Joyner won't be easy to bounce back from, but Tulsa will still return four players to average more than five points per game last season. Uh, Frank Heights teams have typically typically been defensive-minded anyways, so heavy scores leaving shouldn't affect them to the extent it would for other high-scoring teams. Uh, Ray, I will do Darian Jackson, Keyshawn Embry-Simpson, and Curtis Haywood are all upperclassmen that averaged more than 20 minutes per game last season, um, and they returning experience in Heights' system shouldn't match the loss of their top scorers. Helping in the scoring department, though, will be the addition of a couple of transfers. Jariah Horn is back at Tulsa after spending a season in Colorado. Horn was at Tulsa in the, for the 2018-2019 season, uh, where he played 63 games and averaged 10.5 points, 5 rebounds. Um, and Sam Griffin, scoring guard from Texas Arlington, who averaged 13.5 points per game and 2.2 assists last season. Uh, Tim Delger and Nikita Konstantinovsky. Really hope I just didn't butcher that completely. Our two more scoring chances from Juco, who averaged double-digit points last season. The Golden Hurricane also added four freshmen, led by top 200 prospect T. Phil Leonard. Again, Tulsa's lack of returning scoring should not lead to the assumption that they'll be a worse team this season. Um, the Golden Hurricane will still play strong defense and have a strong core of experienced players to help them compete in the American Athletic Conference in 2021-2022. Ethan, let's hear about Cincinnati. All right. You have their top scorer, Keith Williams, who left, but they returned their next three highest scorers from last season. Jeremiah Davenport, the only double-digit scorer returning after he averaged 11.7 points and five boards a night. But then you also have David DeJulius, Mika Adams-Woods, who returns upperclassmen to give Cincinnati some nice experience in their backcourt. Then you also have Mason Madsen, Mike Saunders, as the only bench players from last year to return, who saw enough action as freshmen and they will see a lot more this year. And then last year, you didn't see Victor Lackin return last year at all, but he played extremely well out of country playing for Russia, and he's going to have a big year this year. Cincinnati is going to really – their success will really depend on Wes Miller from UNC Greensboro and along with Hayden Koval, A.J. McGinnis, and Jarrett Hensley. So – all of these guys are going to have to really step their play up as transfers because otherwise Cincinnati could get screwed over. So the transfer portal will either make this team live or die. Yep. All right, moving on to one of my personal favorite teams just in general. Had to family win here, the SMU Mustangs. Um, three starters are back, and they will form the heart of this team. Kendrick Davis was the team's top scorer and player last year, averaging 19 points. 7.6 assists, 4.2 rebounds, and 1.6 steals. What a stat line. Uh, Emmanuel Vandomel led the team with 28, made three-pointers, tallied also around 20, uh, 10.2 points per game. 
Isaiah Jassy started 15 games last season. Uh, the six and four was not a major scoring threat in the paint, but he is a tough rebounder and solid shot blocker. Three of the five Division One transfers will join JC in the front court that they received the season in the transfer portal. Tristan Clark was a major force at Baylor until a knee injury ended his season in the 2018-2019 season. Um, he has never really been the same since his pre-injury form, but we'll give one more chance to ask this season. Marcus Weather spent his last three seasons at Duquesne, where he averaged 15 points and seven and a half rebounds. And Frank Aguinane, Aguinane <laughs> will add more depth after seeing a limited playing time with Loyola Chicago. Uh, the newcomers in the backcourt will have less minutes to go around, but both Zach Nuttall and Michael Weathers will make a big impact. Nuttall is a prolific scorer and averaged 19, 19.3 points per game with Sam Houston State last season, and Michael Weathers will join his brother Marcus. They began their collegiate careers at Miami, Ohio together, since they've gone to Oklahoma State and Texas Southern before landing back at SMU. Um, at Texas Southern last season, Mike Weathers averaged 16.5 points per game, five rebounds, three and a half assists, two steals, and a block. Wow. That's a really good stat line. Coach Jankovic has done a really good job of filling out the holes in the team with the transfer portal, and this group should have plenty of depth. Uh, this team is an extremely high amount of depth and will need time to gel, but if this team pulls all the pieces together, they could make their way into the tournament. All right. Moving into Wichita State. You have Tyson Etienne returning as he was the team leader of 16.3 points a game as he took a huge step last year, and he'll take an even bigger one this year. He hit 39.2% of his threes, and this Wichita State team, as usual, are knockdown shooters. You have Dexter Dennis, who is a dynamic scorer, can knock shots down from anywhere on the court as long as it's in front of that half-court line, and he will become a consistent double-digit scorer. And then you also have Ricky Council, who is the AAC freshman team, He's going to have to have a bigger role. As he still has four years of eligibility left, this year could be the year where he really proves, earns the starting spot for the next four years. And then you also have Morris Udizi, or Udizi, my bad, I cannot pronounce any names for the life of me, who averaged 10.3 points a game and 4.7 boards last year. And he's going to have a big year as the man in the middle for the Wichita State team. All right. Now we're moving into our top two. Um, this is a very highly debated. Might even get some backlash for having Memphis at the two spot, but we do. Memphis Tigers will be our number two team in the American Conference this year, at least for our projections, but they definitely the possibility of number one. Um, oh my, this team has a lot to go over. But before we get into the projections or anything, let's just go over what this team is going to look like this year. The team is returning Landers Nolly, former studded Dayton, DeAndre Williams, great big man for the team last year, Alex Lomax, point guard for this team last year, and Lester Keone, shooting guard for this team last year. We all played, again, big roles. They're losing Moses Cisse, one of the best shot blockers in the country. DJ Jeffrey is a very athletic guard. Boogie Ellis, Boogie Ellis, a former five-star guard that has now committed to three different schools, and he's only a sophomore. Um, and Damian Bott at TCU, another highly touted recruit. Um, but they are getting, brace yourselves, Five stars Jalen Duran and Money Bates, Earl Timlake from Miami, and way more, including Chandler Nelson from Oregon. Um, this team is going to have arguably the most talent in the country. I know we've talked about Gonzaga, but god dang. Um, they're loaded at all five positions. The only thing stopping them from greatness is Coach Penny Hardaway, which Ethan really doesn't like. <laughs> um, if they somehow manage to miss the tournament, just fire him. I, I get it, he gets great recruits, but if you're not going to make the tournament with this team, then just quit. Um, but I am imagining they'll make the tournament. Um, and when I consider them out in this conference, 
outside of my team, Texas, this might be the team I want to watch the most to make it very simple. Um, this team's fourth coach Hardaway is unfortunately not making the tournament, but their ceiling might be holding the national championship at the end of March. Ethan, tell us what your expectations are for this team with coach Penny Hardaway. All right. You know, I, once Penny Hardaway came in and he had that insane recruiting class, I was all aboard the Memphis hype train. I was excited to see Precious of Chichawa and Boogie Ellis and all of them take Memphis to a title. COVID. All right. Last year. All right. Like, I, this is my last year. I'm like hanging on hope. Like, I want Memphis, if not Illinois, I want Memphis to win the title this year. Just because I want to see Penny Hardaway succeed. But in my opinion, if this team doesn't make it into the Sweet 16, I'd debate firing him if I'm the athletic director. Yep. Plan symbol. All right. All right. To Houston. You're losing Justin Gorham, Caleb Mills, the Dodge, Joe Rao, and Quentin Grimes. Let's see. In order, that was 8.4 points, 8.6 boards, 10.6 points, and 4.3 assists, 17.8 points, and 5.7 rebounds. You just lost a lot of projection there, production there. But then you Fabian White Jr., who is their big man returning after he heals from his torn ACL last year with a much-improved three-point shot from the offseason. And then you have Juwan Roberts, who has to have a bigger role because Gorham's gone. You have Reggie Cheney, who was a starter for the final 13 games of the year, and he'll continue to get big minutes for the Cougars. And they also add Josh Carlton from UConn, who had 3.5 points per game and 3.7 rebounds per game. In just 11 minutes, again. So, when you add that, you double the minutes, you can almost expect to double that production, right? Probably. Or at least multiply by one and a half. So, that's exciting. You had Tyler Edwards, who averaged 10 points, nearly five boards, and nearly three assists at Texas Tech last year. He's going to be their main guy on offense, along with Taze Moore, who has a very efficient scorer for CSC Bakersfield. And then you have... Marcus Sasser, who's the team's leading scorer, who's returning with 13.7 points a game, along with Trimmon Mark, who is arguably the team's most clutch player. Very high-paced offense with a tough defensive background. They're going to contend to a top-three seed in whatever part of March Madness they're in. It's just a matter of, I think, that this team having a better coach, I think John agrees, can put them over the top. Although, for our awards... Obviously, Calvin Sampson, unless Memphis can, you know, take it home. Might go to Penny Hardaway. Yeah, I might go to Penny Hardaway. But the next two awards, I'm just giving them to Memphis players. Amoni Bates, Player of the Year, whatever you want to call it, those two combined. And Jalen Duran as the decoy. I might be higher on Jalen Duran than I am Amoni, but... Amoni did reclass up, so Amoni might have a harder time this year, but his ceiling is... One of the greatest players ever, so we'll see. Yep. I'm excited. The American Conference is going to be one of the best basketball conferences in the entire country. We were talking about this earlier off-air, too. We we think the American Conference is a mid-major, but you can't really put the American in the same tier as the SWAC, so it's kind of hard, but... Right. This this does wrap up our mid-majors. Next few episodes, or the next six episodes, you'll see every single Power 6 team in one episode. So that means we'll have an individual episode for Pac-12, Big East, Big 12, 
you name it. We're having an individual episode, a deep dive into these conferences and what to expect out of them this year. So if you liked what you saw, make sure you turn notifications on on whatever platform you're on and make sure you give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter or both, preferably both. Um, and before we go, make sure you DM us on Instagram if you have it uh, to be in our college basketball group chat. Very fun space to be in just to talk with college basketball fans from all around the world. Um, but then I'll wrap up our episode. Ethan, do you got anything? Nope, that was fun, and we will see you Saturday. Yep, see you later.